Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. connecting cleared talent, that technical talent that these companies are so longing for to staff their defense contracts. So prior to running her own company, she was an engineer and technology leader in the aerospace industry and Silicon Valley. So has some great experience that she leverages when she's working with these folks that are going through the interview and process, uh, the job search. She's currently in the executive MBA program at Yale University, also has an MS in technical management from Johns Hopkins, and an MS in mechanical engineering from St. Louis University. My goodness, has has a couple notches on the ladder than myself, but her hobbies include learning about investing, fashion, wineries, and French culture. So, Lakeisha, thank you so much for joining me today. Katie, thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited about today's conversation. I, I love this topic, you know, facing an engineer's worst nightmare, which can be the interview, and I feel like that could resonate with a lot of people, even outside engineering. So I'm excited, I'm excited to dive in and hear a little bit more about your experience and your insights. So tell us a little bit about your background in working in the cleared space, supporting defense contractors, and then pivoting back to them from big tech. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I've been all over the place, but primarily my professional experience has been in the defense area. I remember interning or starting my internship at one of the big uh, aerospace uh, defense companies, back when I was 19 and I got my clearance when I was 21. So that was back in 2006. And it was kind of funny because when I was filling out the paperwork at the time, it was a paper form. <laughs> it was interesting to have to go back and talk to my high school principal <laughs> about my character, <laughs> which was, uh, which was really interesting. But yes, I've been mostly in the cleared space for a really long time now. And just the work that you get to do is just really amazing. But of course, you can't talk about it. And so I've had a number, a number of roles uh, as an engineer, uh, from test and evaluation to production support, and then as a manager, running several departments uh, in test and evaluation, systems engineering, quality engineering. So just touching a lot of different areas. And I had the opportunity to leave the defense sector for a brief amount of time to go to Silicon Valley and work at one of the top computing companies in the world, uh, leading uh, the engineering for their number one product that we're all familiar with that I'm not going to say, but uh, you could do some digging and figure that out on your own. But it was a really interesting experience just being able to utilize a lot of the things that I've learned working in defense and the fact that everything is documented and tracked and all of these good things. 
and applying that to the commercial world because there were some of those things, believe it or not, that they were actually lacking. So it was really good to to do that when I made that transition and then coming back into defense, leading another engineering department in test and evaluation and taking everything from what I learned years ago, the stuff that I learned in Silicon Valley and then applying it, I just feel that every experience that I've had has just made me a better leader, a better technical person. And I just had, you know, just all of these experiences that that just shaped, you know, who I am. And every time you learn something new, um, you get new epiphanies about how to improve processes or do things better. And it's just been a great career overall. And I'm super excited about the future. Sure. Well, and I love, you know, drawing on that experience that you learned in defense while you were working in the on the commercial side and, you know, vice versa. Uh, that collaboration we're finding is so important within national security between industry, between government, academics, even the commercial sector, because, we all don't know everything. And, you know, m- my right. goodness, getting your clearance at 21, I mean, how was that process? Was it daunting? Was it a piece of cake? Like, how did how do you feel about that process? <laughs> so, so that process, initially, it was definitely overwhelming. It was just so many moving pieces and all of the bits of information that was required for the forms. It was, it was, it was a lot. And like I said, initially having to go back and talk to people from high school and even middle school, I think I contacted my middle school principal because they, (laughs) they wanted 10 years of past experience. And I was thinking, well, I don't really have any experience. I was in high school. I was in middle school at this, at you know, during this time frame. So it was kind of weird at first, but at that particular time, I know that there's no rhyme or reason as to how quickly someone could obtain a clearance. I've seen people get clearances uh, as quickly, at least interim clearances as quickly as a couple of weeks, and then they're final in a month. And then I've also seen people where it has taken a year, maybe two years to even get. And at one point, I had to I had to go through the entire process again when I, I got a new position at another company. And then my secret that I had at the time was coming up on renewal. So they's like, oh, well, you'll be put in for a TS anyway. So just go ahead and start the process over. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and it, sure. and it took what? It took about a year, a solid year for everything to be finalized with that. But going back to when I was 21, the process, it was relatively quick to get the interim secret. I believe it took about two weeks and then the final secret took two months. So, and I know that was probably because there was not much in my history at that time to to really, you know, have any hiccups in the process. And like I said, and, and as you're probably familiar too, there's no rhyme or reason. It's totally random as to how long it'll take. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, getting a clearance that young, uh, there probably isn't too much in your background. (laughs) Of course, it's, you know, case by case, some people's backgrounds, uh, they they like to play with uh, the other side of the law. But um, (laughs) yeah, no, thanks for sharing your insight on that, because I feel like a lot of clearance holders, I mean, their story is going to be different. So it's always interesting to see, you know, how quickly someone obtained it. uh, And so thanks for sharing that. But so moving on to sort of, you know, 
again, facing the cleared engineer's worst nightmare, the interview. So clearly you've landed some pretty incredible roles in your background. So if you had to choose one key piece of advice, how have you landed some of those jobs in your background? And how have you combated any fears that you may have had during the interview process yourself? Wow, those are amazing questions. And just to kind of level set here, it may seem like I'm fearless when it comes to interviews, but it's still, there's still some level of anxiety because you just don't know what questions you're going to be asked typically. There's no way to prepare for everything every single thing that can be thrown at you. But what I've learned throughout all of the interviews that I've had and all of the job experiences that I were able to that I was able to land, the key thing that I found out is that you have to be prepared. And there are a lot of resources and you know, to help you prepare and having an understanding as to what types of questions you may be asked. That has always been very helpful for me in preparing for any level of interview, whether it was for an engineering role, a management role, and then I've even had uh, interviews for director level positions as well. So it's always about anticipating what could potentially be asked. And then you also have to take it a step further. So not only anticipating what those questions will be, but you'll also have to understand how your skill set is in alignment with what the job is asking for on paper. And I say on paper because there's, as someone who's done a lot of hiring, I have these requirements laid out on paper and it's the general idea of what the job is, but only the hiring manager and the team that is interviewing you would know truly what types of situations you'll encounter on the job. So by taking a look at the skill sets that are listed in the job requisition and then understanding what problems you are best at solving, those are the two key things that has helped me land some of these positions that we talked about before. It's not just, hey, I have experience in this thing, I should be selected. It's how how good of a problem solver am I and what types of problems are am I good at solving? And if you can communicate that as clearly as possible in the interview, then that'll definitely put you way above any other candidate that they may be interviewing. Wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, uh, matching yourself to the skill set so you can come up with, you know, potential answers to these questions. So one of my, I'm going to get vulnerable for a second. One of my biggest anxieties when it comes to uh, me being the interviewer is just fine. I used to be a recruiter, but when I am being interviewed, I start to sound like a, a, a robot almost because I've come up with these answers to these questions and I, I'm listening to myself and I know I sound crazy. So that's that's one of the problems that I personally have when it comes to interviewing. I guess generally I, everybody has their own little quirks. Mm-hmm. But why do you think so many engineers have trouble with this specific part of the job search process, the interview phase? Ooh, that is excellent. And of course, it varies 
from you know person to person. But what I've seen as someone sitting in the hiring manager seat is a lot of engineers, they focus way too much on the technical aspects of something that they've done in their past. They've, they get too deep into the weeds, if you will, as to what they did. And if you're not familiar with that technology, the process or anything, you know, at, you know, something below the surface, then it's easy for the panel, including myself, I've experienced this multiple times as a hiring manager, understanding generally about whatever this person was talking about, but then getting lost in the details. And sometimes even my senior senior engineers on the panel would get lost. And if you lose the interview panel, then it's really hard to get them back, especially if you've gone way too deep in the weeds. So one thing an engineer could do to combat that is to have an understanding as to what the audience will look like. And a lot of jobs, they'll tell you who's going to be on the panel. You'll have first name, last name. And I've even looked these people up on LinkedIn or just Googled them just to kind of see, you know, what level they're at. Are they more senior, more junior? And, And not that you would, you know, talk to the people on the panel any differently. You talk to everyone the same, but if you know that, you know, maybe half of the people on the panel are non-technical, you will work harder in your preparation to make sure that if there is something that is extremely technical, you'll find a way to make sure that that information is clearly conveyed to those non-technical people so that way they can get a general understanding of what you're trying to describe. Sure. Well, read the room, know the audience. That makes total sense. And, you know, speaking in uh, layman's terms, when it comes to some of these projects, if you're going to get a little bit into the technical, if you're, if you're talking to a recruiter that doesn't have a technical background, then, you know, again, read the room. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And, and it's, and it's one piece of information that I see some engineers just, just, I mean, it's clear that they're passionate about what they do and I'm happy about that. But if I don't understand and if the panel doesn't understand and whoever else may be in the room or however it's structured, if we don't understand what you're talking about, it's really hard for us to connect, you know, how your past experiences will connect to something that we're currently doing because we understand from the other side of the table, the hiring manager perspective, we understand that you're not going to know. It's impossible for you to know everything that's required in a job, no matter how much is written in the job posting, you have to be there. You, and a lot of it is on the job training. So we understand that there are some things, you know, a a majority of things, you know, tools, processes, et cetera, that you'll have to be taught once you've landed the position. But if there, if there are some situations that are similar and you could clearly communicate that, it'll help us better bridge the gap. And it's important as the interviewee, the person you know, interviewing, that you help the panel or the individual that you're talking to bridge that gap. Because if they have to work too hard, meaning the the senior engineer that you're talking to, the hiring manager, the recruiter, whoever, if they have to work too hard to understand what you're trying to say, it's not going to go over well. They're not going to do the extra work for you. And the thing about it is, say for instance, if you're if you're the engineer explaining something that is overly technical, 
it'll be easier for you to to say that technical thing, but then say it's kind of like this, you know, a, an example that is easy to reference. And then if say that senior engineer or somebody in the room or whoever wants to know more about that, they will ask probing questions. So it's just very, I know it's kind of, uh, it's kind of nerve wracking. There's a lot of things going through your mind at the time of the interview, but which is why I started off the conversation by it's by anticipating the questions that is going to be the thing that it, that is going to help you in that interview. And just know that overall, although all these things are happening at the same time, the panel, they don't expect for you to be perfect in the interview. They know that it's a nerve wracking time because at one point or another, they were on the other side of the table or other side of the screen, so to speak. And they know that it's, it's going to be a lot. You're thinking about a lot. You really want to make a great impression. And especially if it's a job that you want, uh, it will show. <laughs> so we'll, so we'll know that, but just know that you don't have to be perfect, but if you can't communicate well, then it's not going to go over well for you, unfortunately. So that communication piece is key. And, and that's, and that's part of the reason why I started off by saying that engineers tend to focus way too heavily on the technical versus being able to clearly communicate whatever they've done in their past. Communication. Everybody says communication is key, but you no, know, it really is. It really is. Uh, <laughs> including, I remember, you know, when I was recruiting folks reaching out to me, I didn't necessarily source them for any sort of role or program. So What's the easiest way to get a response from a technical recruiter to land that interview mm -hmm. in the first place? Let's talk about that communication. Ooh, yeah, that's a that's a really good one because I don't know if this has been your experience, but what I've seen is that people will say something like, hey, I'm looking for a job. I've attached my resume for your reference and then just leave it at that. And that doesn't mm. tell me anything. <laughs> that doesn't tell me if you're trying to move for your position, are you looking to get promoted? Like, what are you trying to do? So one thing that I recommend people do is when they initially reach out to a recruiter or a hiring manager is to talk about one or two things that they're really good at doing. And don't attach your resume to that initial message just because in my experience, it's been more you-centric, meaning you are focused on what that recruiter or that hiring manager, whoever can do for you instead of what you can do for them. So I see interviewing or this entire process as a two-way street. It should be mutually beneficial. And yes, you may have the credentials and the experience but it'll be hard for somebody to know that unless they and unless they really got to know you a little bit better uh, in terms of, you know, if you started off the conversation saying, um, I noticed that you had XYZ positions open and based on my experience, I'd be a really good fit. I do. Or I am really good at solving XYZ problems. Um, you know, has this position been filled or something like that, if you start off in that way, then it opens up the dialogue a bit more instead of you basically just driving by, dropping off your resume and hoping for the best. Does that make sense? I, I, I could not agree more with all of that. Just, again, it's, it's a psychology behind it. Mm -hmm. You 
need to figure out how you can help this person that you actually want to help you get a job. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And, and it goes back to something you said a few minutes earlier. It really does go back to communication and your communication style. It seems so trivial, but it is so important. Absolutely. And so another one that I love uh, is, and I've only had a couple of people do this, and maybe it comes with not having the confidence to throw out such a random fact. So uh, my husband, his uh, family is from Pittsburgh. So naturally, Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, if you don't like (laughs) Pittsburgh sports, then you can leave the house whenever there's a game on. But I had a candidate notice something that I had posted or talked about or something and mention that. And that immediately, you know, I can't, if they fit the skill set, then obviously, you know, that was a great way to start the relationship and start the conversation. But I love it mm-hmm. when people throw in those little facts. It, it humanizes yeah. you. It allows someone, a recruiter who has probably reached out to a million times a day to remember this person <laughs> who is like, oh, go Steelers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I'm, I'm so happy that you brought that up because it reminds me of a candidate that I was, well, this was last year, even during COVID when, you know, uh, apparently no one was hiring. That wasn't true. I was hiring and a bunch of other people were hiring, but there, there was this one candidate that came that actually got to the interview process and he got to the interview early. Uh, and this was all on zoom. He got to the interview early and then he's, he started off the conversation to me saying, Hey, I noticed that you have a YouTube channel. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, like that just caught me off guard. And then he yeah. started to talk about, oh, I watched, you know, these two video videos that you posted and I really got a lot from it. It was on interviewing. <laughs> I really got a lot from it. And sure. I wanted to hire this guy so bad, but we had we had another guy that just like beat him out of the position just a little bit more. But when I had another opening uh, pop up, I did ask my recruiter, like, hey, is this guy still available? Because I'd really like to have him. And it was just something, you know, I mean, about the way that he started that that conversation. And I say conversation, although it was an interview, because I view all interviews as a conversation. It's not an interrogation. It's one thing that I tell people that I work with um, in terms of coaching. So <laughs> so it was it was just very impressive to me that, you know, he took the time to actually look me up and saw some of the things that I was doing. And, and through that five minute conversation, I learned that we had some other things in common. And unfortunately, like I said, for him, it didn't work out for that particular position because there was somebody who was a little bit more qualified, but I did, I did want him. I did want to hire him for the next position. And unfortunately he was already starting at another company. So I was like, ah, man but that guy it was like I remembered him after you know these you know I don't know how many resumes I looked at (laughs) or like how many interviews I'd even done at that point but I still remember that guy sure well and that's the thing that candidates should keep in mind it's all about that continued relationship even if you don't work for that position that you're interviewing for that interview can make an impression that lands you that next position so it's all about the long game uh so Mm -hmm. any advice for engineers who may not have uh be experienced networkers or social butterflies any advice for people who may have trouble just you know 
picking up a conversation like that. Yeah, and I know that the term networking is kind of gross and icky for some people. They, you know, they have these ideas <laughs> of what it looks like that you're smoozing, you're proud nosing, like all these negative connotations. And that's not true at all. It's about it's about building a relationship with someone that is mutually beneficial. So for instance, if, it, if you're trying to build a relationship with the recruiter, the recruiter has a vested interest in making sure that they're able to supply quality candidates, you know, for the job postings that they're, that they're responsible for. And then you as the engineer, obviously you're trying to get a job. So it's not just a one-sided relationship. It's definitely mutually beneficial. So that's one thing that, someone who is not well-versed in networking or doesn't like networking could focus on that and it requires a mindset shift and it will take some time, but that is the place where you can start is changing your mindset around what networking is and what networking isn't. Now, if you're ready to go to the next step and actually reach out to someone, focus on focus on that person like we talked about a few minutes earlier finding something that you have in common with the person that you're reaching out to that is a great way to break the ice in the conversation and then you could talk about well I saw this job or I'm looking for xyz job and then talk about the things that you're that you're good at and and keep the conversation going and just know that if you're sending an email which is you know very common it's it's a low um, I would say it's a it's a way to connect with someone without it being overly awkward <laughs> because I know sometimes sure. reaching somebody in person can be a bit more scary. But if you're sending an email to someone, that is the best way to start and just know that they may not respond back and it has absolutely nothing to do with you. Everybody's busy, you're busy. So just give them a little bit of time I would say max about a week. And then if you don't hear anything, reach back out and say something like, hey, um, I sent the message last week. Um, hopefully uh, you were able to see it. If not, you know, just a quick one or two sentence blurb about what you're reaching out to them for. And what I found is that a majority of people that I've reached out to did not respond on the first message, but it was a second message. And it was always something like, oh, I got busy or I saw it and meant to reply or I thought I hit sent, you know, just some something. And and it doesn't matter whether or not it's true. It's just the fact that people get busy. We're always multitasking and we always get interrupted <laughs> in the middle of things that we're supposed to be doing. So just don't take it personal and just continue to do it. And if, you know, after a couple of messages, you don't hear anything back, move on to the next person. Uh, because maybe, you know, depending on the person that you're reaching out to, it's not a good time or something, who knows, but just continue to reach out to people. And I like to recommend that people reach out to at least one person per day. Um, and it kind of, and you can speed that up if you're looking for something quick, <laughs> but reaching out to one person per day and just keeping that momentum up, eventually you'll have this incredible network. I love that. It is all about building your network. I find that a lot of folks who, you know, would call themselves, you know, having a successful career, uh, it, it all 
all has been from leveraging such a great network or having, you know, a mentor mm -hmm. or two or three. So very, very important to build up that network, to make these meaningful connections. So resources, you're a great connection to have. I'm so happy that we connected. Um, but you have some, you have some great resources on your website, um, including a top 51 technical interviewing questions. So tell us a little bit about how this can help cleared candidates or engineers in the job search. Yes, most definitely. And this goes, and I created this guide because it, it's something that I truly believe that engineers should be prepared for. They, like I said earlier, you may not know every single question that you'll be asked, but at least if you have an idea of the types of questions that you'll be asked, you'll be better prepared for the interviews because uh, when people try to wing, wing it in the interview, it is very, very obvious and painful for me to watch as a hiring manager. <laughs> so I want people to be as prepared as possible. So I created this 51 question guide and it'll definitely help you um, in that whole process in trying to at least guess as to what questions you could be asked. I love it. Yeah, there's nothing more cringeworthy than watching someone wing an interview. Oh, gosh. <laughs> just get just get out of here. Just let's start over. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, so could you tease a few of the questions here and uh, maybe uh, how a cleared engineer should answer them? Yes, most definitely. So the question that every Every interview likes to start off with is something like, walk me through your resume or tell me about yourself. It's always the quote icebreaker question that anyone is asked in an interview. And I don't know if you're surprised, but when I started interviewing people years ago, I was surprised at how many people who weren't prepared for that question. It's like, how, how can you not know that you'll be asked, yeah. you know, that kind of question. And then too, when I've seen people, this is when I did some in-person interviews where I asked them this question, they actually pulled out their resume and looked through it. It's like, like, seriously, you don't know your resume. And so in answer, in answering this question, a couple of key things that I like to do is to review my resume. Even if I've looked at it a million times, there's, I feel like there's always something that I glean from it. So review your resume and you want to talk about the skills and responsibilities that you had that are relevant to the job. So for instance, uh, the last interview that I did for a job was for the management position position that I had when I was in test and evaluation. And I talked about those leadership experiences that I had. And then I touched briefly on the one engineering job that I had that related directly to the, to the job that I was applying to. So you just want to just talk about the highlights. And I always like to round off that question with what I'm looking for next and how the job that I'm interviewing for ties into that next thing. So I think that's just a really nice way to end the interview. And if you're looking for a structure, I actually do have a video on YouTube and a free download in order to help you structure your own answer. And then I give you word for word what I say in that answer. So that is one question that you'll definitely be asked. A couple other ones would be something like, you know, what would you describe as your greatest achievement to date? So something that you're proud of professionally, 
Um, another question would be, tell me about a time when you faced conflict and what happened. This is very important when the role that you have or the role that you're interviewing for is very, um, it, it, it's focused on relationships and it's more of like a project management or like engineering project management role where you'll have to interface with not just your teammates and your boss, but a lot of other different departments. And then there may be some groups outside of your department. And of course, when there's schedule pressure, budget pressure, and all these other things that pop up, tensions may rise and there may be conflict. So that hiring manager and that team, they want to know if you've ever experienced that. Chances are you have. So think of something beforehand and then talk about how you were able to navigate that issue and talk about the results. As a result, what happened? Like, did things, were things fine after that or were things um, did they escalate where you had to get your boss involved? Like talk about those things. So, and, and obviously you want to make sure that every answer you give is, um, is like, you're, you're the hero of the story <laughs> that should go without saying, <laughs> but, uh, that's another question. And then another question is why do you want this job? So that question is to understand more about your motivations. Uh, maybe something that's not so obvious, like, hey, I need a job. <laughs> Talk about, you know, maybe how it could help you, you know, progress in achieving your five-year goal, or if you thought that's far, 10-year goal. So just a couple of things like that. I encourage everyone to go to thrivingambition.com. You can download the 51 top engineering interview questions a great resource to have. It sounds like throughout all of this, this entire process, really it's important to know yourself, know your audience, and just, you know, do the research and come up with some, you know, cool, methodical way of how this interview is going to go and sort of visualize it. But, you know, don't let your nerves get the best of you. So a, a lot of advice, but just remember that, you know, recruiters and hiring managers in this panel that you're going to be interviewing with, they're humans too. They've been in the job search themselves at some point. Uh, we're all kind of in the same boat, or at least if not now, at some point in our lives. So any closing thoughts, Lakeisha? Again, everyone, Lakeisha Tomlin, great background within the defense contracting world and the commercial sector. A thriving ambition is her company, but any closing thoughts for us today, Lakeisha? Yes, and I love how you summed up some of the things that we talked about here. And one other thing that I like to remember when I when I've done interviews in the past is that an interview is a conversation and not an interrogation. I believe if you keep that piece of advice in the back of your mind, it'll really help you be more natural in the interview and not be robotic or just be overcome with nerves and just know that you're being interviewed because they need you just as much as you need them. Of course you need a paycheck, but they also need someone with your skill set and your talents in order to accomplish the goals, 
you know, whatever those goals may be, those goals may be tied to winning a contract or maybe tied to uh, continuing a contract or, you know, achieve something really amazing. So keeping those things in mind will really help you calm your nerves in the interview. Beautiful. Well, we're here to help all of you cleared engineers face your worst nightmare, the interview. We really hope that some of the insight and, you know, guidance from this conversation will help you in the job search. So happy job seeking. And for more advice, you can always visit news.clearancejobs.com.